Y'all, today is a pretty big day because I am announcing the first new offering I've created in three years. And you are hearing it first right here on the Your Welcome podcast. However, it's for entrepreneurs, meaning it doesn't apply to everyone. So I'm going to talk about it at the end. And if it's not for you, I will definitely tell you when to stop listening so that I can respect your time. And if you are a fellow entrepreneur, you are definitely going to want to listen to the end to get the inside scoop and hear what to do next. But first, let's get on with the show. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. So full disclosure, this episode was not my idea. (laughs) One of my business partners said, why don't you do a podcast episode on what is elegant excellence? And I was like, what is elegant excellence? (laughs) I actually don't have an answer for that. So here's what I did know. Four or five years ago, I came up with this phrase, elegant excellence, just for myself. I was jamming with one of my colleagues, Jen Kem, and I was just trying to put into a couple words what success would look or feel like for me. And I just said that phrase, elegant excellence. That's how I want to feel in my business, my team working on my business. It's all extraordinary, but there's ease. And then three years ago, I went on a sabbatical. I was just feeling so exhausted in my business, planned it for a while, knew that I needed to take a break. I went planning to be there for six weeks, didn't get on the plane in Paris, stayed for four months because I I knew whatever it was I was looking for, I had not achieved it by the end of six weeks. And after about three months, I did feel some rest, but I knew it was the kind of rest that would disappear when I got home. I call it one-inch buffer, not 10-inch buffer. If you go lie on a beach for a weekend, you're going to get some rest, but it's just that one-inch buffer. As soon as you hit the ground running on Monday and you're right back to work, that kind of disappears. It's different than that true life shift and where you really feel rejuvenated to do things with more spaciousness. So in the last month that I was over there, I decided to just sit down in one place. I'd been doing a lot of traveling and I realized that was part of it. It's like you're you're traveling, you're seeing new things. It's different than kind of really going deep internally and looking for that rest. So I decided to sit down in one place, Nice, France, which uh, I had no idea at the time that three years later I would fly back there with uh, surprising six friends to elope with uh, the love of my life, who I did not know at that that point. You can find all of that at hillaryrushford.com slash wedding if you haven't heard our wedding story But um, I got to Nice, and instead of traveling, I decided to just start reading, watching, listening to everything I could get my hands on, trying to find the answer to a question that I didn't even quite know what the question was that I was asking. But it was like, how do I heal my anxiety? How do I keep from burning out? How can I be happier, be a healthier person internally? keep going without wanting to quit. And through that searching, I realized I knew that I wasn't alone. I knew that these were the same questions that hundreds of fellow entrepreneurs that I had been coaching in the years prior were asking too. And so I thought, okay, I'm I'm learning techniques. I'm growing my business and it's working. And I'm helping other entrepreneurs do the same. But I'm still exhausted. (laughs) They are still exhausted. This still feels so hard. How do I make this easier? I am financially successful, but I'm not emotionally successful in this place in my business. And I wanted to learn, help other entrepreneurs with what I had learned and what I was learning. So I created a course of that same name, Elegant Excellence. But so much of what I teach and have learned isn't just for entrepreneurs. It has nothing to do with what you do for work. I find myself sharing these same teachings or wanting to, if they would ask, with friends in great corporate jobs or stay-at-home moms. So that's the part that I want to share today. What does it look like? What does it mean for all of us to live with more elegant excellence? For entrepreneurs, there's then a next level of how does this approach or mindset, lifestyle, method, practice, I don't quite know what to call this, but how does choosing elegant excellence 
help us build more sustainable businesses as far as making money and marketing and management of a team. But for today's podcast, I want to focus on the foundation that applies to all of us. One way that it can be helpful for me to explain what elegant excellence is, is to look at what it's not. The two most common approaches I see in people around me are hustle and procrastination. Hustle is when you're trying to do all the things. You volunteer on three teams at church, you are taking a class in pottery, and one in Portuguese, and training your new puppy, and learning how to compost, and you're pregnant. (laughs) If someone needs help at work, you are on it. You'll be the first to volunteer, the first to raise your hand. If they're asking too much of you at work, you don't speak up. If they ask more, you just smile and say, sure, you are willing to do it. You are a hustler. You make tons of plans with friends and then either arrive late or frantic or exhausted or you cancel because you were overbooked or you wish you had canceled because you were overbooked. Procrastination is when you talk or think about doing all the things but don't actually do them. You're miserable in your job, but you haven't made any moves to work on finding a new one. You're desperately insecure about your weight, but aren't taking steps to address your diet or exercise. You know your marriage isn't good, or you're snapping at your children, and you've said, maybe you'll go to therapy. You should go to therapy. You'd like to go to therapy, but you never actually call to book the appointment. Your mother drives you crazy, but you haven't done anything to set up healthy boundaries. Both of these lifestyle choices, hustle or procrastination, have at them the same roots. You want to stay numb, so you run around like crazy, or you bury your head in the sand. Why do you want to stay numb? Because you're afraid of the truth, afraid that if you either slow down or take action— you'll be forced to be more aware of your thoughts and feelings, that you feel lonely or incapable or incompetent. You feel stuck, trapped, unworthy, unlovable. There are feelings you don't want to feel, so you avoid them. You run fast and hard so you don't have the quiet time and space to hear them. Or you stay put so that courage rejection, failure can't come your way because you're not even trying. Now, let me acknowledge I am being incredibly honest (laughs) in what I just said. And you might be getting really defensive, thinking, I don't know your story, your life, your reasons. And that is totally true. And you are the CEO of your life. If you are a hustler or a procrastinator and you absolutely adore your life, amazing. (laughs) If you feel joyful, peaceful, lit up, confident, however you want to feel every day, brilliant. Seriously, keep on rocking on with your bad self as the way you're doing it. But if you ever feel stuck, frustrated, disappointed in yourself, that you wish you had more time or money or friendships, were less easily angered, better at keeping your word, had less regrets, were more proud of what you've accomplished, any of the things, then it's worth considering if hustle or procrastination might not be the choice that's making you the happiest you could be. And I personally want to be as happy and healthy emotionally, mentally, physically as I can be. There also is one option in the middle, which is what I see most on social media, ease. Plenty of people we follow wear busyness as a badge of honor, making it seem like the fact that they're busy must mean they're important. When I hear someone talk about how busy they are, myself included, I just think that's a sign of someone without the wisdom and maturity to choose the things that mean the most to them and let go of the rest. And again, this is still something I struggle with. When I find myself saying that I'm busy, I'm like, this isn't something to be proud of. This doesn't mean that I'm fancy or that I'm successful or that I'm important. This means I am lacking the wisdom and maturity to choose the things that mean the most to me and let go of the rest. And then some people also glorify procrastination. There's so many memes out there about how we all just want to spend the weekend lying in bed, eating pizza, pizza, and watching Netflix, which hand raised does sound awesome sometimes. But honestly, that's not how I want to spend my life, right? Like, 
what we're not talking about is how the the person loving that meme is afraid to quit their job or put themselves out there on the first date. And so going into that behavior of numbing as a way to not really show up and live their life. But most often, though, on social media, I think people glorify ease. Look at all of my photos of me just sitting here with nothing to do but take a selfie or actually the hundred selfies that it took to get that one selfie you actually liked of yourself. Or yet again, I'm traveling or I'm on a beach in a cute outfit at a darling coffee shop because hashtag laptop lifestyle, hashtag perks of freelancing, hashtag, you know, remote girl boss. And I'm not mocking anyone. I have those exact same profiles. But the truth is, it's really hard to depict my reality on social media. Some people think I'm a hustler. They say things like, I know you're so busy, which is just an assumption that they're making. Some people think I'm all about ease. They say, I want to start a business like yours so that I can work less, making an assumption that I don't work really hard and long hours. But it's so hard to depict the very rarely lived sweet spot in between these three, hustle, procrastination, or ease. And that sweet spot is what I call elegant excellence. So for the first time in creating today's podcast, I tried to sit down this weekend and describe what elegant excellence is, how to get there. And I had such an aha about it. I am very grateful that my business partner uh, unintentionally kicked my butt in giving me this challenge that I have a three plus three framework that I'm going to give you today. And if I speak about this again down the road, maybe it will evolve. But here's the way I've been able to synthesize it in the last week. So the first three steps are about change, and the second three steps are about choosing. Someone who embraces the elegant, excellent lifestyle, number one, makes a decision to change, a decision for growth. You want to work on your weak areas, whether it is having anxiety, wanting weight loss, dealing with your anger, or the fact that you're a people pleaser. You don't just want to work on it. You don't just desire to change, wish and want. You make decisions for change. You decide to change. We talked about this back in episode three. I would highly recommend that you go back and re-listen. If you were in stage three that I talk about in that podcast, you don't want to deny your ish. You're past just owning your ish. You are ready to change your ish. This is so huge that I did a whole podcast episode just on that stage. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't already or re-listen. That was episode three. But so many people talk about wanting to change. Jobs, weight, things not making them happy, things they don't like about themselves. But so few people do it. Think about your own life. One of my friends, Brian, is in the midst of a massive weight loss. And everyone is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so proud of you. This is just epic what you're doing. No one is that excited when you, I don't know, brush your teeth in the morning (laughs) because that's just something we all expect people are going to do, right? But people do not shed 70 pounds very often. They want to, but they don't. And so when we see someone taking that epic change in their life and making it happen, we can't help but commenting every time we see a photo on Instagram. We're like, my mind is still blown at this massive life change you are making because I see so few people doing it. So just this decision to change puts you in a small percentage of people. But then we need to go on to step two, which is accepting growth as a lifestyle. In episode two, I talked about my journey with anxiety and in episode three with being physically healthier. And I created a free journal page for you in those episodes. You can get that at hillaryrushford.com slash pod VIP because what both of those life shifts had in common for me were micro changes, a ton of micro changes. Of course, we want to change instantly. So we go back to the hustler or the procrastinator. Either we decide to start working out with five days a week, going to the gym from zero to five. We're going to hustle our way there. Or we know we'll fail at the five days a week at the gym, so we don't even try. We keep putting it off to next week or next month. When it's January 1, when I get through with this busy season at work, we try a juice cleanse to shed the weight really quickly or get discouraged realizing that the calories from 
a sandwich versus a salad aren't really any different. So why bother to eat healthy? We either want that hustle quick fix. I'm going to do the juice cleanse. Or we can look for little ways to procrastinate because we're like, really? I'm not saving any calories by eating a salad? Well, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a quick fix. So I guess I'll just keep putting it off. Elegant Excellence knows that micro changes add up. That's what that download I created for you in episodes two and three is about. It's a journal sheet to record over the next year all the little changes, all the little steps you're taking in pursuit of whatever it is you're working on, whether that's anxiety or weight loss that were the examples in those episodes or whatever it is for you. When I started taking Pilates, and I really apologize because I know you guys are going to be so sick of me talking about Pilates, um, but it's just my real life, I'm walking the walk example right now. So it might sound silly. You're like, sheesh, this girl keeps talking about Pilates, but it's my example right now of how I am living this out. And sometimes it isn't these huge things in your life. It's that I have not been someone who consistently works out in like five, eight years, probably since I started my business, which is eight years old. Since before then, I mean, it's been forever, guys. So me trying to consistently go to any sort of exercise class is a huge deal for me. And therefore, I really empathize for whatever it is in your life that you are trying to make a change in. So I said that I would go two days a week for two months. I didn't say I'm going to go two days a week and then immediately in week three, I'm going to ramp up to three classes a week and then I'm going to go up and up and up. I was like, two days a week sounds manageable and I'm going to take a good chunk of time, two months to prove to myself that I really can do this. And when I couldn't get to a class, I would do free YouTube dance video workouts in my living room as one of my two workouts. I tried to be really light with what did it mean to go to Pilates? It actually just meant moving twice a week. And I could be light in how I was doing that. When I didn't go for three weeks due to work and moving and travel uh, just a couple weeks ago, I didn't let that discourage me. And then last week, I went back to two classes. Actually, it was technically one Pilates class and one work out in the gym downstairs with Jeremy. But I didn't just, I wasn't like, oh, I failed for three weeks. Now I'm feeling really discouraged. I was gentle with myself. I was like, you know what? I was, I was moving that there was stuff going on at work. I traveled like these things happen, but you can go ahead and get back up. And after I was there for one month, the salesperson there said, um, have you, have you started to see changes in your body? And note for any salespeople, I was like, that was not a great question because no, I hadn't started to see any changes in my body. But I didn't go in with the unrealistic expectation that after eight Pilates sessions at the beginner Pilates level, it's not like I was like, you know, muscles burning, dripping with sweat. Like I was a newbie. I was figuring it out. The classes were a lighter level. No, I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, yes, I lost 20 pounds. It was amazing. I'm like, no, I'm not expecting a body transformation. I am just expecting that I'm going to learn to keep my word and I'm going to lightly get back into exercising and prove that I can do this. So I do expect body transformation in a year, 18 months. Like I'm going to slowly keep working out. I'm going to take the more advanced classes. I'm going to work out harder. But I really set my expectations that I... I know that growth is a lifestyle. It is going to be these micro changes. I'm not going to have a body transformation in one month and then get discouraged when I don't have it. I know that my starting to go to Pilates now is about how I'm going to feel in a year or 18 months. And it's about me not being a weak, hunched over old lady when I'm 70. So for me, elegant excellence is about patient yet persistent growth. And it's not waiting for fill in the blank to start changing. I'm going to wait until it's summer or it's winter or things aren't as busy with work. Growth as a lifestyle means you're always doing small changes, which the upside means you don't then try to take on five personal growth things at a time because you've been putting them all off for so long that now you are trying all at one time to do the things you've been wanting to do. You're going to start the book club and join the prison ministry and train for the marathon all in the same month. When you've slowly been doing these micro changes, then you did a one-month book club without having to commit to doing it for 12 months. You just submitted the paperwork for the prison ministry without having to figure out right now how you're going to commit to that every Monday for the next six months. You started doing training for a 5K rather than immediately going into the marathon. It's these micro changes consistently. It's growing all the time in a way that you can't see or feel right away. But 
you can look back and other people will notice. You will notice and other people will notice. And other people noticing has been a huge element for me in Elegant Excellence. When I first started embracing this, I was in a mastermind, which is a uh, a, a small group of fellow entrepreneurs that are all kind of growing together. And I was in a mastermind of 12 women, and we would go on a retreat every six months. And the reason that I knew what I was doing was working, I wasn't necessarily feeling these massive shifts because it was these micro changes. But every six months, I would see these women. And the first six months, I was just insane. I was like crying all the time. I was so overwhelmed. And the next six months, they were like, what did you do? You seem like such a different person. And then the following six months, they were like, I have never seen someone go through this kind of personal growth in six months. What is it that you're doing? At our family wedding in February, one of my favorite toasts came from my friend Alex. I think we've been friends for about eight or 10 years now. And he said, I have seen you grow so personally over the last few years and so few people actually grow as adults and really try to work on making themselves better. And I have watched you do that and I've seen the transformation. And it's not the kind of toast that you would normally think of at a wedding, but it is one of the ones that is stuck out in my mind all these months later and that has meant so much to me because it is proof to me that this work I've done, that again, we want to see the change in a month. We want to feel that change in a month. But when other people see you six months apart, when other people watch you over years, years of friendship and comment on the difference, that is what elegant excellence is. It's going to be slow, but it is going to be obvious and evident. This brings us to number three, which is accepting that growth begins in the mind. It is being the CEO of your life. That month I spent in Nice, France, I read, watched, and listened to things from every angle. The Tony Robbins documentary, The Secret, a book on neuro-linguistic processing, one by a Christian brain scientist. And whether it's self-help, religion, science, I realized everyone was saying the same thing. You can control your thoughts. You can control your mind. Whether it's self-help, religion, or science, I realized everyone was saying the same thing. They were just using different words to get to the same core point. We can control our thoughts. You are in charge of your mind, which ultimately then means you can control your feelings because our feelings come from our thoughts. And how we feel affects what we do, what actions we take, which affects what happens in our life, what our results or outcomes are. So while you can't change the circumstance, you are pregnant or you have not gotten pregnant, you can change everything else about your life, what you think about it, what you make it mean, how you feel about it, what you do or don't do about it. I was talking to a friend who's kind of uninspired by their work. They're not miserable. They're just not super lit up about it. And I reminded him, you are the CEO of your life. And he was like, um, I'm definitely not. I'm like in the mid-level on my team. I'm definitely not the CEO. And I said, yes, you are the CEO of your life. You can choose to leave that job, get another job, start your own company. You can decide you're miserable there or you're actually learning some great things or the work-life balance is amazing. You may not have an executive title on your business card or your imaginary business card. I don't think people really use business cards anymore, at least not in my world, but metaphorically, you are in control. Tony Robbins has said that success is 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. It's 80% psychology and 20% skill. And as someone who has a much more successful company than most people in my field who start where I started, set out to do what I do, I very much agree. I have had to learn a ton in business, about business, but I never would have started if I was a procrastinator. And I never would have survived and grown to where I have if I was a hustler, nor if I was had an expectation that this lifestyle was going to be one of ease. Uh, and when I say I, I wasn't a hustler, that's not to say that I haven't worked hard. I have and I do. But the energy of hustle remembers that it's not about work ethic. It's about fear. 
It's about running hard because you think it will make you worthy or safe or something. That's the energy of the hustler. You can work hard and not be a hustler because you aren't being motivated out of that fear. That's what it means to understand where our mind is is coming from, where our motivation is coming from, and that it starts in our mind. So our first three steps are we make a decision to grow. We want to change. Then we accept growth as a lifestyle. We're willing to be patient and persistent, knowing it will take years and a series of small, tiny steps. And three, we know growth starts in our mind. We give a lot of attention to our thoughts and beliefs as the source of where our happiness begins. So now that we are primed to change, we have to follow through with it with our choices, which are the next three steps. And really, these come easier if you've really done the first three. Mindset is the hardest. If you truly are in control of your mind, aware of your mind, making wise mental choices, then your actions are going to follow. Because again, our actions come from our thoughts and our beliefs. However, these external things are a really good indicator of where your mindset is at. If you're struggling to do these things, it tells you that it's because you're not believing or thinking in a way that makes them possible. Your actions tell you what your mind is thinking. Let me say that again. Your actions tell you what your mind is thinking. So look at your actions and you will know what it is you think and believe, and if you actually need to go and work on your thoughts and your beliefs. So the next three steps begin with, number one, choosing less, essentialism. Essentialism is a New York Times bestselling book and one of my all-time favorite books. It's a textbook inside my entrepreneur course called Elegant Excellence. And the definition of essentialism is the disciplined pursuit of choosing less but better. The Disciplined Pursuit of Choosing Less But Better. The author, Greg McCowan, who I interview inside my course, was interested in why successful people weren't living up to their potential. They were successful, which actually meant they had more opportunities come their way, which is the reality for all of us actually living in this time in history. We have more things to fill our schedule with, more dreams and personal and professional goals that we can make possible. And therefore, we are trying to do so much more than any previous generation. And that blessing becomes a ceiling because it means we're doing a lot of mediocre things instead of just a few things brilliantly. In my experience from the people I have coached, my colleagues, and also the mentors and experts that I've learned from and listened to, All entrepreneurs hit rock bottom at some point. We all experience burnout, exhaustion, have a time or multiple times when we want to quit. And that's because we're trying to do too much. All of us. We aren't sure where the growth will come from. So we try to do a ton of things, hustle and have our fingers in lots of different pies. And we feel such urgency and passion and competition that we don't feel that we can wait to do or to start anything. It all needs to happen right now. I've been practicing essentialism for maybe four years now, and we are still doing way too many things in my business. I shouldn't say way too many things, but we are still doing too many things in my business. We are doing way better, but this is so hard. I am still doing way too many things in my life, or again, not way too many, but too many. I am way, way better, but this is so hard. It is like an onion. The more you peel it, the more you realize you need to keep peeling back the layers. My friends, Jess and Jenny, both homeschool, and I can see that they say yes to very few things because they want to be excellent at raising their kids, at educating their kids. And when you have that really, that clear of a choice, it is much more clear what you want to say yes and no to. You're not going to volunteer for five committees and take up four new personal growth skills because your kids are now just sitting at the school table staring at you while you're on your phone doing all of these other things. You have to be present. So these friends do less because it's so clear right in front of them in these cute little faces that they want to be way better at teaching their kids. Essentialism is what allows you to be excellent at something in life. It allows your day, week, year 
to feel more elegant. You're less crammed and cluttered, rushing, sprinting. You've created space for what matters most. My action step for you here would be to write out everything you're trying to do. Eat healthier, spring cleaning, all the things, personal and professional. Make that long to-do list. Go to the courthouse and file your name change petition because you got married. Hand raised. Get your wedding ring resized because you're finally accepting that it is just a little bit too tight. Hand raised. List out every friend and family member that you're trying to keep keep in touch with, make plans with, text, call. You're trying to keep up with the news, listen to podcasts, watch this season of The Bachelorette and all four hours of the Finding Neverland documentary. And then physically hide two-thirds of it. You are not going to get all of that done this month or this quarter. So either choose now what you are going to get done or life will just choose for you. And when life chooses for you is when we tend to feel really stressed out and a ton of scarcity and feel like there are not enough hours, there's not enough time because it sneaks up on us at the end of the day, week, month, quarter. Oh my gosh, I didn't do this. I still struggle with this when I, just this weekend, I listed out all of the things that I wanted to get done this weekend, and I didn't, wasn't honest with how much time all of that was going to take. And I didn't slow down and go back at that list. And so Saturday kind of flew by with getting a few things done on the list. And then I could have felt some panic on Saturday night. Oh my gosh, I I didn't get to major things that I should have done or I wanted to get done on the list. So I regrouped on Sunday. Okay, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to simplify so that I can really be honest about what I'm going to get done? So the important part of hiding the two-thirds on on of hiding the two-thirds of your list is once you decide what two-thirds are you going to hold off on, put on pause, let go of for right now, you literally hide them. For me, I put all of those things on another list on my Asana. That's the project management system that we use um, for you wherever your tangible to-do list is. I put them on a separate list so that I don't lose them and my brain doesn't have to remember them. Any little thing that I come up with, even if I'm like, well, I don't have time to do that or I don't want to prioritize it, I write it down so my brain can chillax about it. It's like, yep, it's written down. It'll get done at some point. But because I can't physically see it every day, I'm not getting discouraged or distracted by all that clutter this month. I'm just honest with myself that I cannot get it all done. I will always have more dreams, desires, and ideas than there are hours in the day. That doesn't mean that I'm a failure, and it's not just an issue of time management. It means that I am awesome. My brain is awesome, and I will always be coming up with amazing, brilliant, creative ideas because I am a phenomenal, fabulous person. (laughs) That's actually what that means. It shouldn't be, oh, why can I get through all this stuff? It should be, gosh darn it, I am amazing, all the ideas that I have. However, I want to hold on to all of those awesome ideas and choose and pluck out which of those are my favorites. Being an essentialist in this way has changed my life and continues to. I continue to do less in my business and my personal life and continue to challenge myself to do even less. Then step number two is once we have that narrowed one-third list, we need to choose what matters most. And this is really about knowing your healthy desires. Because that narrowed one-third list is still going to be too much. And you've already done some hard work in your mind accepting that you've got to wait on some things, even things that you really want to do and could argue you should do, like getting your passport to match up with your new married name or update your will now that you have a baby or book flights for that trip this coming up this summer. But what's left on that list requires you to go even deeper into your mind to decide which of the remaining things really matters the most. So one example of this is a few years ago, my mom was offered a promotion at work and she turned it down. And I was so proud of her because most people would take the promotion. It's a title and a salary bump. That should be an instant yes. But she paused to think about what really matters most to her. And in her 60s, it wasn't more power or prestige that comes with that title, and it wasn't more money. It was more ease. She knew that taking the new job would mean more stress because she's learning a whole new role, and she's only a few years out from retirement. 
And I think that can sound like an easier decision because she's nearing retirement. And that in your 30s, say, you might really need the salary increase and the position bump opens more doors for you for decades to come. That's great. So you take the promotion. So what does that yes mean you are now saying no to? Because if there's more time and energy for work, there's less for other things. So I think it's asking ourselves, if we love six things but can only do five, which five will have the greatest impact on our life? Or if in a given season we have to deprioritize one, what is the order of that? So a lighthearted example, my friend Jade said that one of her April goals was to not buy coffee out and make it at home to save money, just like a little way to be more intentional with her finances. So being intentional with her finances was one of her top priorities and a wonderful top priority. Super important. Then at the end of the month, she realized... Her coffee at home was so much weaker that she was getting way less done at work, so it actually wasn't worth it. So she has a desire to save money, which is below her desire to be brilliant at work. This example sounds small, but it actually highlights the order of her priorities. And it was a great little realization to be like, I do want to be wise about my finances, but not at the expense of being brilliant at work. So I need to, I know what the order of my priorities are. As you know, Jeremy and I, if you have listened to this podcast before, Jeremy and I are learning French. The first month of our class was great because I already knew enough going in that it was just clicking. I was like doing really well, just showing up on Mondays for class. But the second month, I've really struggled. And we're about to start level two next week. And I know that I will continue to feel shame and failure if I don't really address why am I behind? What would I need to do to not feel behind? So This weekend, I really asked myself, why does it matter to me to learn French? And as I've shared, we have a life vision to travel to France every year, to spend a portion of our summers there. So I am not learning French to look cool, sound cool, be cool, feel cool. I'm doing it to open up a lifestyle of extended travel. The work I'm doing now will be blessing our lives 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It will impact our ability to make relationships, the way our life feels, if we have kids, the way that they're raised and the experiences they have. The reality, I realized, is I am so passionate about my work. What I realized is I'm so clear on my passion for work that work is taking a priority over French. I see the impact right now that this podcast is having from all of your reviews and comments and shares. So I get so excited about continuing to pour into this for you. I am so passionate about the new offering I'm creating for our entrepreneur students because I can see the impact we're going to make in their lives over the next six months. I am feeling the winds of digging into systems for our team, something we've really been working on. So what I need to do now is step number three actually choosing it, which is owning your schedule, getting honest about how you're spending your time. I can see the big picture that French really matters to me in my life. And once I had that realization, I then need to acknowledge that nonetheless, I'm not making time for it in my schedule. So in my case, I realized nights and weekends wasn't happening. That would have been my window for the last two months. Jeremy and I will work on it when he gets home from work. We'll do it on the weekends. Well, I'm behind, so obviously that isn't happening. I'm tired by the time I get home from work at night, and we have fun stuff going on on the weekends, and I don't feel like scheduling. So then I tried mornings. I've been embracing this new habit of taking 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning as time for me with a cup of tea before I leave the house And I, for example, I would try to go to the coffee shop to work and I'd think that I was going to journal first, but then I would get to the coffee shop and feel torn. Like, oh, well, I feel like I'm behind at work, so I should probably get into work. Oh, well, now I feel bad that I'm not honoring my commitment to journal. So instead of expecting myself to do both of those things at 9 a.m. when I get to the coffee shop, I created out a separate time in the morning that is for the journaling so that when I get to the coffee shop at 9, that is the time for work. And I can do another episode on nights and mornings, but despite honoring that new time just in the last couple weeks here, I realized that my brain is sleepy during that time. And I love journaling and praying that early. That works. But I really don't want to memorize verb conjugations at 730 in the morning when I've just rolled out of bed and I'm sitting there in my pajamas. So if night's not working, morning's not working, weekends isn't working, that leaves midday. 
So just last week, I asked my team to shift around a couple of meetings so that I can create a French quote-unquote meeting with myself sandwiched into my meeting days, which are Mondays and Thursdays. So that just starts this week, and we'll see how that goes. But I really had to look at my schedule and say, when am I, if if this thing isn't working, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want to spend time on, if I'm not doing it, when am I trying to do it right now? What's a different window I could try? If that isn't working, what is a third window? And how can I really create the parameters for that? So since I already have very scheduled meeting days on Monday and Thursdays, if I put it into that time, it's not going to get swallowed up by, oh, but I was creating a podcast and I was just on a rhythm and I didn't want to stop. It's like, well, I got an hour between these two meetings. What else am I going to do with that hour but the meeting that I made with myself? And then I also realized that reviewing our textbook for school Because I'm behind, I'd feel like I wanted to sit down for an hour and catch up. And I'd also want to start at the beginning every time because I wasn't sure I had everything because I'm in that energy of feeling behind. And feeling like I need an hour means that I'm not going to do anything when I have 10 minutes. When I have 10 minutes, I'm going to say, well, I, I, I need a whole hour, so I may as well not do it right now. So I keep putting it off and off and off. So this weekend, I started making flashcards. That way, I can visibly see my progress as I move more into the pile of these are the ones I know and I don't need to keep reviewing, which encourages my momentum. And I also now can do them when I have 10 minutes, when I'm on the subway. It kind of creates the ability to do it in shorter groups. So for you, it may be, why am I not emailing my list consistently or going to the gym or making plans with my friends or canceling on them when I do make plans? Is there something that you keep thinking about, wishing you were doing, feeling guilt or shame or failure that you're not doing, what will you do about it this week to either make space for it or accept you have too many priorities and let it go? If you need more time to rest, if you are constantly feeling exhausted, tired, overwhelmed, resentful that you have too many commitments, schedule rest. Tell yourself you will not make plans on Tuesday or Thursday evenings. Those are your quiet time at home, you know, inside nights. And then if something special comes up, like a birthday dinner on a Tuesday, then you literally move that night in appointment on your calendar to another night that week. So now you aren't resentful. You still have the same amount of time, but you've given yourself some flexibility to really say yes to the people in your life if that is also in a, pri- a priority. If you want to work out, try nights or mornings, or lunchtime. And if you do mornings, then do you need to get to bed earlier? If you do lunch, do you need to move a meeting earlier so that you're not late and then decide to go? So you're really looking at when can I put this in my schedule and then how can I work my schedule around it to genuinely set myself up for success? And you pay attention to that rather than flying through your week mindlessly, getting to the end and then being like, gosh, I wonder why I didn't get that done. You actually can figure out why you didn't get it done, but you have to slow down and think about it. And as I think about everything that I've just shared, and remember, again, in full transparency, this is the first time I'm really trying to explain what is this lifestyle that I've been living and sharing and teaching. What is Elegant Excellence? The one theme that I see is that it's about you becoming who you say you want to become. You stop talking, wishing, hoping, and you start living. And you accept that the reason that is so hard to do, so rare, is A, growth is challenging, and B, choosing is challenging. I talked in last week's podcast on change about how our brains are wired to not want to change. They like to save energy. They like taking well-worn habit grooves. They want to keep us safe. They want to preserve our energy. Your mind is set up to want you to keep doing the same safe, simple things. One of my friends just left an abusive relationship. And when he walked out the door for the last time this weekend, gosh, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. She texted me that she was just crying and she felt so sad. And I voice memoed her back, most people don't leave because they don't want to feel what you're feeling right now, this emotion. They will stay in something not good for a decade to avoid a few weeks of feeling this deep sadness. But if you are willing to feel that deep sadness, 
There is a whole life of rich, beautiful joy waiting for you on the other side. Most people don't choose growth. But you, my dear, are not most people. Or rather, you can decide today that you are not most people. And most people don't choose their life, period. They won't accept that they can't do it all, so they do it all mediocre and thus aren't brilliant at anything. Raising children, their marriage, work, friendships, health. If you see someone that you feel is living their life really well, they are truly being exceptional and excellent at these key areas in their life. It is because they have said no to a lot of really good things to say yes to just a few great things. There is a lot more that I could say on this topic, but for today, I'm going to recap these six steps, and then I would love for you to come share your thoughts with on this with me over on Instagram. Truly, I really beg of you to come do that today or whenever it is you are listening to this. Your feedback and ideas and questions will absolutely help shape this journey. Help me understand as I'm trying to explain this, what are the holes? What are the roadblocks? What are the challenges? As you put this into practice, where are you running up against something that you'd like me to unpack more or explore more? So our first three steps to be elegant excellence are, number one, we make a decision to grow. We choose to change. We want to change. Number two, we accept growth as a lifestyle. We're willing to be patient and persistent, knowing it will take years and be a series of tiny steps and micro changes. Number three, we know growth starts in the mind. We give a lot of attention to our thoughts and beliefs as the source of where our happiness begins. And our next three, we choose less. We become an essentialist. Number two, we choose what matters most. We know what we really want and why. And number three, we actually choose it. We stop feeling shame for what we don't do and own our schedule to feel pride in what we are doing. Making the decision to live this way a few years ago has radically blessed my life. And if you choose to join me, I know it will yours too. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, and I mean really loving, is something brand new I am creating for fellow entrepreneurs that starts next month in July. So if you are not an entrepreneur, you can skip the rest of this episode. But if you are an entrepreneur, this is the first new offering I've created in three years. And I'll explain soon why that is and why I was finally feeling that this was the right next thing to offer. But if you are a fellow entrepreneur, I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming so you can take the next couple of weeks to decide if it might be right for you to apply because we are accepting members by application only, which is different than anything that we've done before. I am hosting for the very first time the inaugural group of Elegant Excellence Mastermind for six months, July through December. If you've heard the term mastermind before, there's a few things that are unique about the one that I'm creating. Number one is you're not just going to be learning from me. That's something that's held me back from doing this in the past is the humility to know that I don't have all the answers. I have only built and been inside one successful business, my own. But this mastermind will include live masterclasses not only from me each month, but also from senior members of Team, De Team Dean, my business partners and our top consultants who together have been inside dozens and dozens of wildly successful businesses. Number two, it builds upon the foundation I've already laid. This isn't new training headed in a new direction. It's building upon the Elegant Excellence Foundation that's been the success in my own business and now going much deeper, more action, more specifics, more progress and accountability. I don't want to share too much before we have the application page open, but We'll be covering finances, list building, sales, marketing, teams, every major pillar in our business. And number three, it doesn't cost multiple five figures to join. Most masterminds that I'm aware of are around twenty dollars or $30,000, and this one is far less than that, 
And it doesn't require you to spend additional money on flights and hotels. While meeting up in person is amazing, and we will offer that as part of it, childcare, extra expenses, time off work isn't necessary to be a part of this tribe. This is exclusively for people who truly want to choose to run a business with elegant excellence. We are not for hustlers or procrastinators or those who have a vision that this is all purely going to be ease, which is why we're doing an application process to make sure that we're working with people we truly believe we can help and who will thrive with us in the way that we do business, this elegant excellence method. And we're capping this inaugural group to only around 100 or so people to make it both small enough and big enough for true connection and relationship building because I believe that's so important. So if you want an invitation to the application page before it goes live to get yours in first, because we are going to cap it when we find our our right group and we find the people that we're looking for, so it will kind of be first come, first serve, you can head to hillaryrushford.com slash free. That's my name, hillaryrushford.com slash free. And right now there's a mastermind invite waiting list. So you can sign up right there or you can swipe up on whatever app you're listening on. And if that app shares the episode description for this podcast, the link will be right in there. And this is going to be a really fun month of June leading up to it, as in addition to the podcast, I'm teaching two free workshops this month, one on goal setting and planning your final six months of 2019, and the other on gracefully overcoming the most common mistakes in business. And you can join both of those for free, even if you aren't sure that the mastermind is right for you. So sign up and take advantage of everything that we have going on this month by joining that waiting list at hillaryrushford.com slash free. For those of you who are going to be joining the Elegant Excellence Mastermind, whoever you are, know that we are so freaking excited to go on this journey with you. Our entire team is buzzy. We are so delighted and excited. We are so confident that this is going to be an incredible blessing for the hundred or so folks that come on this journey with us. So I so hope that that is you and know that we cannot wait to get started with you and come inside your business and your life in starting in July and celebrate with you and see where you are at as we kick off 2020. In the meantime, I will see you next Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.